0: Last weekend apparently was the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody saw it. Uh, it was on at our house. The Super Bowl was there at our house. And I was in the kitchen a lot making snacks and cooking and getting food ready so we could enjoy it because that's, that's what I do. I just eat the food on the Super Bowl day and, and I watch the commercials and I didn't see much of the game. I, I don't think I've made it a secret that I'm not much of a sports fan. I think I've kind of made that very apparent and I don't know what exactly it is that that I don't I don't get into when it comes to the sport. This is a football, right? I think this is the right one. Yeah. I you know, dad and I actually used to go out in the backyard and we'd toss the ball back and forth. I I had a pretty good spiral. The old man, he actually had a really good arm. He could play. He was he was pretty good. And we would do that, but I never got into the game. And I really I feel like the blame is my first exposure to football. And if you're if you're of my age, if you're of my era, you know that that first exposure to football is, uh, is Lucy uh, pulling the ball away from Charlie Brown and hurting him over and over again. And I, I don't want anything to do... Do you remember that? Is, that? is that something you all remember? you remember that? In my era, there was a Charlie Brown cartoon. There was a, a Peanuts special for every holiday. And every Peanuts special Uh, Lucy would have the football and she would tell Charlie Brown, I'm not going to pull the football away this time. You know, I've done that before and and that's kind of played out and I'm not going to do that anymore. And sometimes she would even say to Charlie Brown, I have a contract with you here. Here's a contract. You sign here and I cannot pull the football away. I've got to abide by the contract. I give you my word. And Charlie Brown would Mutter to himself, and he'd sign that contract. Go, well, she's got a contract. She can't pull it away this time. It's gonna have to work. And Lucy would sit there and hold the football, and Charlie Brown would come running, and at the last second, whoa! And ugh! Oh, and back. And Charlie Brown would land, and then Lucy would walk over and say, "Well, it's your own fault. I mean, you should have known better. You knew I was going to pull the football away. Really, you—the know, only person you got to blame is you." And that was my first exposure to football, and I thought, "Is that?" Is that the game? Well that's that's not the game. That's not football. That may be life sometimes though. <laughs> feels like someone yanks the football away from you. Maybe you might even think that that you might even think that feels like God sometimes. Like he's promised us, I'm going to take care of you. He's promised us, I will never abandon you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you and we trust him. And he's there with the football. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, something something hard hits our lives. We get sick. Someone we love passes away. And God said, I will never leave you. I will take care of you. And it suddenly feels like He's just pulled that football away. Life gets hard. Life tumbles in. And we wonder, is it our own fault? Does God stand there and say, you should have known better. You should have known not to trust Me. The things were going to get hard. You should have known this is really your own faults. Maybe you've been there once. Maybe you've been there twice. Maybe you've been there a few times. Maybe there are long nights where you still wonder, is God really there? Does He, does he actually care? Is He worthy of my love? Is He worthy of my trust? Now read through this little book of Micah here in your Old Testament. And Micah Micah has this message for people who were hurting because life was hard and life was going to get worse for them. And I wonder if they felt that way about God. I wonder if they wondered if God really actually cared for them. I read Micah's message for them and they had reason to wonder whether or not God cared. We're in Micah chapter 2 today. If you want to follow along in those blue Bibles, this is real easy. It's page 777. you got to remember that, right? 777. If you've, got a, if you've got an iPhone or some other device and you have the Bible app, you can find most of my Scripture references there on the Bible app today. Micah's message to his people is difficult. Israel is the kingdom to the north. And their leaders are, are, are just horrible. Uh, Micah is in the kingdom to the south, which has Jerusalem. He's in Judah. And most of their (laughs) leaders are pretty horrible too. The leadership has failed the people. They have failed, the leaders have failed to live godly lives. They have failed to live up to the character of God. And Micah has to remind them all in Micah chapter 6, that verse that we've come back to many times. Micah verse chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you. O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Micah's leaders had failed to do justice. They had failed to love kindness. They had failed to walk humbly with their God. And as a result, the people would suffer. To the point that one day soon they would be taken into exile. They would all be led away as prisoners to another nation. And while they had failed, while their while their leaders had failed, Micah wants his people to know that God has not failed you. You can still trust his presence. You can still trust his character. Life does get hard sometimes. We go through difficulties, but it isn't God yanking the football away from us even in those difficult times, we can trust that God is who He says that He is. And Micah shows us here in chapter 2 that God is the shepherd. He is that shepherd that leads us back when our hearts take us astray. This is a common image in the Bible, God as the shepherd. It's something we're very comfortable with. We're very used to hearing God is shepherd, all I have to say is Psalm 23, and you immediately go into the first verse, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me besides the still waters. He leads me to those green pastures. Uh, we were comfortable with that image as God is shepherd. It is a comfortable image. It is quiet. It is peaceful. It is serene. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be. Because if God is the shepherd, then that means that you and I are, are sheep. That's not exactly a compliment to call someone a, a sheep. Sheep are not really known for their intelligence, are they? They're not known to be terribly bright. The fact that they need a shepherd and that tells us everything we need to know. Sheep go astray. They need a shepherd. Sheep get lost. They need a shepherd. Sheep cannot care for themselves. They need a shepherd. In Micah chapter 2. The first 11 verses of, of chapter 2 is a sermon all in itself. And the whole thing is a sermon. It's not a happy sermon. It's not a fun sermon. Micah didn't show up with a football that he borrowed from his friends so that he could show you what God's really like. No, no, no. It's not a nice sermon. It is an indictment against the leadership of the people of Israel and Judah. Verses 1 and 2 of Micah chapter 2. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds! When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields and seize them and houses and they take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. He says of the leaders of the people, before they get out of bed in the morning, they have come up with new ways to do evil. Before they, their feet hit the ground in the morning, they thought of new terrible things that they can do to their people. They're going to take your fields from you. They're going to take your homes from you. They're going to steal your lives. They're going to steal your livelihoods. And these are your leaders. These are your shepherds, Israel. And what does he say about those shepherds? He says, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family, I am devising disaster. What family is he talking about? talking about the descendants of his favorite person. He's talking about King David's family. He's talking about the one that he promised, I'll keep you on the throne forever. But he says they've wandered so far away. And he says against this family, I am devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks. You will not walk haughtily for it will be a time of disaster. Now the average person hearing that that if that's how God is going to treat the household of David, whom he loves, we're all doomed. This is disaster for all of us. There's no hope. If this is how God's going to judge the leaders, then what about us? What about the common people? And God responds in verses 12 and 13. And in his response, he says, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not abandoning you. And since your leaders won't be your shepherd, I'll be your shepherd instead. Micah chapter 2, verse 12, God says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. That's another name for Israel. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture. A noisy multitude of men. In other words, you're still a mess, but I'm going to care for you. We need a shepherd. You and I need a shepherd. Not just because we like green pastures. Not just because we want to drink from the still waters. You and I need a shepherd because left left on our own, our hearts can go astray. Left on our own, our hearts will deceive us. They will lead us in places we should not go. We will stray from God's character. Micah 6, verse 8, we will stray from God's character as one who is merciful as one who is kind as one who seeks justice as one who walks humbly we will stray from God's character and we will find ourselves in some very selfish places Peter comes along and in 1st Peter chapter 2 he seems to be reflecting on this idea I think this is one of Charles's favorite verses 1 Peter chapter 2, I've heard you quote it so many times. Chapter 2, verse 25, for you all were straying like sheep, right? You all were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In His mercy, in His kindness, in His justice, God promises you, I am the shepherd. And I will hold you to my heart. I will, keep, I will hold you to my heart. I will keep you from going astray. So God is our shepherd. He leads us. He leads us back to His heart. Micah also shows us that God is the breaker. God is the breaker that opens the way back to Him. Now we're very comfortable in thinking of God in terms of being our shepherd. Because that image of the shepherd, it is a peaceful image. It is a, it is a quaint pastoral scene and it fills us with, with warmth and love. Never mind that if God is our shepherd, then we are His sheep and sheep are dumb. Uh, never mind that, that it implies that we def- we cannot get by on our own. We like it. It's calming. And then the next image that Micah gives us for God, it is it is jarring to us. It is not peaceful at all. In fact, it is an image of war. Chapter 2, verse 13. The first half of verse 13. Speaking of God again. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. God opens the breach. If you've got one of the NIV Bibles, if you're still using an NIV, the NIV says the one who breaks open the way will go up before them. The breaker. The breacher. It's a military term. And those of you who served, uh, you might be familiar with this as a military term. A breaker, a breacher, is a member of a military unit who is trained, who is equipped to gain access to a fortified position. Now in the ancient world, in Micah's world, this was someone who had the tools, who had the battering ram, who was able to break open the gate. In modern terms, it's the person who has the tools, who has the battering ram. It's still pretty much the same. In modern terms, we see the breaker is the one who knocks down the door, who rushes into the building, the rest of the troops following him. You see, that's the danger. If you're the breaker... You're the target. If you're the breaker, you're the first one in to the gate, into the building. You are the first one who is in danger. And Micah says, God is your breaker. He breaks open the gate. He goes before you. What gate is he opening? You know, as Micah lays it out, I see the the gate that he's opening is the gate that leads us back to God the gate that's held us back, the wall that has held us back from going back to God. <clears throat> and maybe you've built that wall yourself. Maybe you've built that wall. Maybe for some it's an addiction that puts a wall up between us and God. For others it's a, it's a sin It might even be a hurt. You were hurt and you said, I am not going to be hurt again. And so you built a wall and you said, no one gets through here. No one is going to hurt me again, including God. You go back up into Micah's sermon and he says of those leaders in verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Arise and go because this is no place to rest because of the uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. Micah tells his people, this is not a place for you to rest. This is not a safe place. You can't rest here. That wall that you build, that uh, that wall that your pain, that your guilt, that your sin has built, it will not keep you safe. And God is saying, I've got to get you out of here. And Micah says, He is the breaker. He is breaking open the way for us. We need a shepherd. We also need a breaker. We need one who will tear open the gate that... Holds us captive. And again, so often those gates are our own making. We imprison ourselves. We hold ourselves back from God. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds with that confession. And if you've given your life to Christ, if if you've committed to Him, you've said that confession just as Peter did. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God and Jesus responds to Peter and he says that upon this rock and I believe he's talking about that confession that Peter's just made that same confession that you and I make he says upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it now, now the gates of hell are not attacking you you're attacking the gates of hell Uh, The gates that have been locked. The gates that have kept you bound. The gates that have kept you from being the person that God has called you to be. He says those gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus breaks open the gates. Jesus sets us free. Jesus makes a way for you and I to come to the Father. We need a shepherd for when we go astray. We need a breaker who will set us free from everything that holds us captive. And then Micah gives us one other image of God. And it reminds us that God is the King. He is the King who leads us in triumph over our sins. Unlike the breaker, God is King. That is an image that we're familiar with. God is King is a fami- image much like God is Shepherd. God is King is a, is an image that we're familiar with. We sing songs. We sing All Hail King Jesus. And we sing other songs that declare God to be He is the mighty King, the Master of everything. We sing those songs. And yet, just as you and I are not shepherds and we don't really understand that world, we, we don't understand what it means to have a king. It's not like having a president or a governor, and that's not just because you don't get to vote them out every four years. And king is your sovereign the king owns everything that you have the king owns your home he owns your land you are living in his what you are living in his kingdom right your king is your sovereign your king has everything that you have is because of him and i want to remind you again of micah's day what had the kings done Verse 1 says that they devise evil before they even get out of bed in the morning. They are arrogant. They are proud. They are not following the character of God. They have stolen the fields and the houses of their people. Verse 8 of Micah's sermon. Verse 8 says that the kings, the leaders of the people, they are enemies of God. And so God declares Himself to be the king and He promises in the last part of verse 13, Their king passes on before them the Lord at their head. Their king passes on before them the Lord at their head. The statement about the king. It's significant. Because Micah could have stuck with a shepherd. Their king passes on before them. That's what a shepherd does, Micah. Shepherds pass on before their flock also. That's, That's nothing new. The king passes on before them. Well, that's what the breaker or the breacher does also. They're the first one in to the danger. They're the ones that lead the people. But now that Micah says the king goes before you. I want to remind you where Micah is again. He's in this little town of Morisheth. Maybe you've been there. It's a little farming community. It's just a little crossroad in the middle of nowhere. Morisheth is a tiny little farming community about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. Not much happens in Morasheth, And I have to think that when the king, when the king would do is take his tours and, you know, go out and shake hands and kiss babies like kings must do, he probably didn't come to Morasheth, And probably weren't very many people in Morasheth that, that had ever been invited to the palace for dinner. They, they probably were just ignored by the king. And Micah says, "God is your king, and he is near to you." He is with you. He is leading you. He's the one who leads you. Whatever struggle you're facing, He is the one that leads you through it. Whatever pain it is that holds you back from Him, He is the one that breaks down the gate and sets you free. Wherever it is that you have wandered away from Him, your King will lead you back. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians of this same King. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him your king does that he leads you in triumph and the best that Micah can do for his people is tell them God is your shepherd God is your breaker God is your king and later In chapter 5, Micah will tell them that a new king is coming one day. And that new king is going to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. Small town guy, just like you. I mean, just like you in Moresheth. Just like you in Kansas or you in Grandview. He's just a small town guy born born in Bethlehem. Someone who knows your struggle. Someone who knows your pain. Someone who knows what it is that holds you back. What it is that holds you captive. And He will be your shepherd. He will be your breaker. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And He will be your King. Behold, your King. Whatever struggle you are facing, Jesus goes before you. I did manage to catch the second half of the Super Bowl, and I did see some of the commercials, enjoyed some of them. I don't know if you saw them or not, but there were actually two commercials during the Super Bowl about Jesus. I don't know if you saw those two commercials that were about Jesus. Those commercials were part of a multi-million dollar ad campaign that's called He Gets Us. And the last week, there have been a lot of people wondering about the Wisdom of using multi-millions of dollars to tell people, to, to, to put out two Super Bowl ads and tell people about, well, the most famous person that ever lived anyway. I mean, they pretty much got to know who Jesus is, right? But all of that aside, I have to say I love the title. He gets us. Jesus understands you. He gets you. Those fears that you have, he gets it. That disappointment that you feel, He gets it. That, that loneliness that hits in the middle of the night, He gets you. Whatever the struggle that you're facing is, He gets you. And He goes before you. Maybe you've had those moments when you felt like somebody pulled the football away. Maybe you've had those moments. Maybe you even suspected that that was God. And you shouldn't trust him. And it was your own fault. Micah reminds us that this world is a cruel place. This world is a place where people do evil. But God is good. And maybe what you need to hear today is not just that God is good, but that God is near. And whatever struggle you're facing, Jesus goes before you. He is your shepherd. You can trust his presence. He is your breaker. Whatever it is that holds you back, you can trust that He will set you free. He is your King. You can trust His leading. And you can know that He will lead you in triumph. Maybe you've not found that yet. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus gets you. Maybe you haven't come to that point where you realize this this person, this amazing person, He does understand and He lives and He's freed me from everything that that has ever held me back maybe today is a day when you need to say oh, i need i need to know him i need to know him in a new way we have an opportunity for you to do that we'd love to have you come make that same confession that so many of us have made i believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god he is my savior he is my lord as he called us to we seal that in baptism we Put you under the water, burying that old person and letting letting new life rise out of the water just as He's called us to do. And He promises to meet us in that act. He promises to meet us here also as we take the cup, as we take the loaf, as we remember the body that was broken for us, as we remember the blood that was shed for us, as we remember He gets us and He frees us. The moment we'll take together. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to remember that Jesus has paid it all today. Let's pray. Father, we praise You. We thank You so much for Your presence. We thank You for Your peace. We thank You that in every, every place that we've ever wandered, every hurt that's ever held us back, every moment where we have failed, we have a shepherd that leads us out. We have a breaker that sets us free. We have a king that leads us in triumph and his name is Jesus. and he gets us. He gets our deepest needs. We thank you for this, this bread today that reminds us that his body was broken for us, this blood that or the cup that reminds us of the blood that was shed for us. We thank you that we can know him, that we can trust him. And today we we come near together to meet him again. Thank you for meeting us in this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.